Joshua 24, if you want to find our passage before we start. Um, so our trip to Chicago was wonderful. Uh, in case you don't know what we did in Chicago, um, had a church that's on the south end of Chicago invite us up. They host what they call a missions conference every year. And uh, they had two sets. Uh, they had a missionary to Costa Rica, a missionary to Brazil, and they had us, which kind of sounds like an odd pairing. Um, but they want to support uh, people around the world and also people um, that are not so around the world but are uh, serving and planting churches in America. So um, they latched onto us and they wanted to be a part of what we have going on here. Um, so uh, they're going to support uh, our family at a small amount every month. But even more than that, what's exciting is they said, um, we explained to them kind of the space we have here, uh, value and the limitations. And they said, should we outgrow this space? They're going to do two things for us. Number one, they're going to donate $3,000 to help us build out another space. Uh, and they're also going to send about half a dozen men to help us accomplish it. Um, so I said that would blow the mind of some of our folks to see half a dozen men come from the outskirts of Chicago uh, to help us build out our new space when the time arrives. Um, so we are really excited to have Jackson Creek Fellowship as a partner of ours um, just really blew us away with their hospitality and their generosity. Uh, it was a huge encouragement to Shelly and I uh, in that. So look forward to outgrowing this and moving into something else and having those guys come help us. And uh, they're like business owners, roofers, remodelers. Um, I told the pastor to stay home. He's of no value. I said, just, just stay, stay away. Send your, send your valuable guys. Uh, but uh, so it's really, really cool. Uh, and then as we came back, um, this is a lot of, you know, I want to make sure you guys know what's going on in our city. And um, I feel like God's just opening up opportunities. Tyler and I had conversations when we were working this week. Uh, we went to one of the downtown meetings, downtown Benton Association, business owners, um, where I was asked to be on the board for the business owner association, which is not like a huge, like, it's not like I'm the mayor um, but what it does mean is we've been accepted as part of the city. Um, and and th these are steps towards gaining credibility in our downtown district and in our city that we're not looked at as outsiders, but we're a part of the city because we're for the city and we're proving that week after week. Um, so that's huge. Second thing was uh, Tyler and I were just, just having a conversation with one of the, the women in the city here that's been here a long time. Um, and uh, I just felt compelled to, to let her know um, I'm like, we'd really love to have you like worship with this one Sunday. And um, when I told her that, she began to tell me the things that are going on in her life and the burden she's carrying with the loss of her husband and, and just some other really heartbreaking things in her life. And she f followed that by saying, I was thinking the other day that if I ever wanted to be a part of a church again, I want to be a part of y'all's. And um, these are steps. These are steps towards having a presence in our city. And when you have people that have not been a part of a church, maybe ever or in a long time, and they're sitting around their house thinking about us, the, the verse that keeps coming to mind is from Galatians, and it says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the right time you will reap a harvest. And I believe that God has positioned us in this city. And I know weeks like this are kind of like, Where's our people? But then also just don't grow tired. Not yet. 
it's not time to grow tired. I believe there's a harvest that's under the ground right now that in the right time it's going to spring up. And I feel like that it's probably going to take place all at once when it does. And our goal is to not grow weary in doing good. Because when the time is right, God will produce the harvest. Okay? Because um, I see evidence of growth all around us. It's just it's kind of churning underground right now uh, as our presence in the city becomes more valuable. So um, let's keep doing what's right. Let's increasingly do what our vision is. Let's increasingly have a presence in everyday life in this city. Increasingly have a presence in your school, in your neighborhood. Increase the conversations that you're having with the people all around you. Increase the celebrations. Increase uh, the community in the places where you live and where you work. Be the source of that. And as we just live everyday life with the people around us, opportunities for the gospel are just constant if we're intentional. They're constant. Uh, in meetings from business owners, in encounters with neighbors, they're constant. Um, so this week we're starting a conversation we're calling On the Fence. Strangely enough, did, do you have that picture? I was eating a banana this week. While I was in the middle of my sermon prep, I was eating a banana, and, and I don't know why, just to save room in my trash, or maybe I don't like the gnats, but I always eat my banana, walk outside, and throw it over the fence. And as I'm studying, I'm not even joking, for a sermon title called On the Fence, I throw my banana, and you see where it lands? On the fence. Holy Spirit was speaking to me in that moment, and just wanted me to say you're on the right path, so keep going. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you. I thought maybe it would speak to your heart. Did it work, Mark? Did it work? <laughs> no, I literally threw it. I'm telling you, God is good, man. God is good. Um, so walking the fence line at our home one time. So we have an acre. Praise God, I don't have to take care of more than that. But I live on like almost 20 acres of family land, and you can walk the fence line, which you need to do every now and then because trees fall all the time. So you, there was one day I was walking the fence line on our property, uh, and I came across a deer on the fence. He'd been there a while. He'd been there a while. Um, no telling how long he'd been there, but long enough to hang himself and to become part of the surroundings. Like, when I say there was a deer on a fence, I don't mean like he got stuck yesterday. I mean like six, eight months ago probably. And there was just a skeleton that was left. And he had become a part of that surrounding. Um, and we, we once had a horse who had a habit of getting stuck on the fence. So we'd wake up in the morning, go outside, and he'd have his neck in the fence and then his feet tangled up in the barbed wire. And he just made a habit of that. He'd get stuck and he'd be there all night long. And we'd have to wake up in the morning and go cut him out. And he'd be cut up and just tore to pieces. Um, and had we not been there to get him out of the fence, he would have become like the deer, right? He would have become like the deer, just a part of the fence and a part of the surroundings. Um, but I think, like the deer, we can underestimate the dangers of life on, our, on the fence. Um, so, metaphorically, for a deer, it's real. He just leaps over the fence and they do it like it's no big deal, Right? Um, and they just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like it's just a commonplace thing for a deer to go back and forth over the fence. And I think metaphorically we can get that way too, where it becomes normal just to live our life close to the fence, and we just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
um, flipping from one side and never really choosing where we're going to lay our loyalty in our life. Right? We're just never, we don't get too far away from the fence because if we get too loyal to one thing and journey, then we're not able to flip-flop and go back to the other way, right? And so we just live our life, metaphorically speaking, just that close to the fence, keeping our options close. But here's the problem. If we have our fence here and we just live our life going back and forth and staying close to the fence, um, the problem becomes staying close to the fence and keeping our options open means that we're never able to travel very far into our journey. We don't go deep into anything because we want to keep our options close. Um, And if we're not going deeper into our journey, then we're also not experiencing meaningful and deep realities. Right? As long as you're just staying close to the fence and keeping your options open and staying comfortable, never really laying down your loyalty to go deep into anything, then nothing is deep or meaningful. You're only going to experience shallow realities in life. You're not going to experience anything significant. Um, so, in the end, here's my, my fear, is that in the end, somebody might pass by your life when it's all said and done and find out that you were like the deer, you just perished on the fence, right? That we get to the end of our life and it's just, it's said of us that we spent our entire life on the fence and that's where we perished and we became just another part of our surroundings. So this four-week discussion that we want to have is, Encouraging us to get off the fence, go deep into our journey, and experience deep realities in this life so that we too don't perish on the fence where nothing's going on. Um, So discussion question for you real quick. What areas of life has it become common to stay on the fence? What areas of life is it common to stay on the fence, never really laying down like full loyalty towards anything and going deep into anywhere? What are some areas in life that it has become common to stay on the fence? Restaurant decisions. Oh, Stephen. No commitment to what, right? Like, what are the areas, other than restaurants, what do we want for lunch? We're eating tacos for lunch. We committed. We're going deep into the taco world. If you're on the fence, you never get deep enough into something to really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what? Jobs. Career. Social relationships, ministry. Man, I spelled that wrong. That was so wrong, I couldn't even avoid it. Ministry slash church. Okay. What else? Where do we stay close to the fence? I echo that. (laughs) <laughs> Which is another one? Family? Right. Got any more? 
Home. Home? In what way? Um, staying more local than branching out. Okay, so... Geographic, like when it comes to being open in your future, right? Am I willing to go or am I just going to stay like literally close to home on the fence? Um, so we'll call that geographically, right? Yep, geographic. You know that, National Geographic. So um, I'm going to say faith. That I'm separate from ministry. I'm going to say faith. Fear? Fear? Yeah. You stay on the fence and you don't commit to anything, a lot of times because you're afraid of it. Yep. Absolutely. So imagine this scenario. Joshua in the Old Testament, we're in Joshua 24, is going to be our passage. Joshua had led the people of Israel um, to conquer the land that God promised to them generations ago. Um, so they've conquered it. And here he is um, before, so he's got all the nation together, all the families together, and he's given them like this final encouragement before he sends everybody back to their homeland, like to the, to the portion of land that they're going to inherit and they're going to raise their families in and they're going to live in and build homes in. And so he's got everybody together. Just imagine this huge mass of crowd, this entire nation and when they leave Joshua, they're going to their home and, and they're going to find rest in that place. And that's where they're going. So here he is, his last words before that takes place. Uh, and this is what he chooses to say to them. Joshua 24, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem and summoned Israel's elders, leaders, judges, and officers and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord God says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the fathers of Abraham and Nahor, Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the region beyond the Euphrates River, and I led him throughout the land of Canaan, and I multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave the hill country to Seir and to Esau as a possession. Jacob and his sons, however, went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I defeated Egypt by what I did within it. And afterwards I brought you out. And when I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you reached the Red Sea, the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen as far as the sea. Your fathers cried out to the Lord, so he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea over them, engulfing them. Your own eyes saw what I did to Egypt. After that, you lived in the wilderness a long time. Later, I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan. They fought against you, but I handed them over to you. You possessed their land and I annihilated them before you. Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, set out to fight against Israel. He sent for Balaam, son of Baor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Instead, he repeatedly blessed you, and I rescued you from him. You then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. 
Jericho's citizens, as well as the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, all those ites, that's what you do when you get into a lot of ites, you just summarize them. Um, they fought against you, but I handed them over to you. I sent hornets ahead of you and drove out, drove out the two Amorite kings before you. I was not, it was not by your sword or bow. I gave you a land you did not labor for and cities you did not build. Though you live in them, you are eating from vineyards and olive groves you didn't plant. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him with sincerity and truth. Get rid of your gods that your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it does not please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today which will you worship. Your gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're going to live. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. I know that's a lot. Context helps. Notice this. Joshua did not say, choose if you will worship. He did not say, choose if. What did he say? Choose who. He didn't say, choose if. He, choose, he said to choose who. Um, because worship is not optional, but it is natural. Worship is not optional, it's natural. It's something all people do. Um, there's a quote from uh, a man named Ralph Emerson. He says this, A person will worship something. Have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will come out. That which dominates our imagination in our thoughts determines our lives and character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. He said, you may think that worship takes place in the deep recess and it's a personal, hidden thing. But he says, that's, that's not really true because what's going on inside, what captivates our mind, what draws our attention and, 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 and draws our time and our heart and our energy, he said, eventually that comes out through our character and our activity. What you're worshiping, you will eventually become. So worship is not natural, it's, or it's not optional, it's natural. Each of us has something which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts. Each of us has that. Um, Joshua, if you had a different version uh, of Scripture, the word worship may be translated serves either one of those worship or serve so in this context of worship we're saying what do you serve what what is it what what is it that you're serving with your time your energy your resources that you're pressing it's captivated your mind so much that it's gravitated your entire life to support it right that's the thing in which we worship we've become a servant or a slave of that thing um so he gave us three options. 
three options Joshua gave to the people of Israel. Will you worship the God of your fathers? Uh, the God of the city? Or the Lord? All right, so let's start with number one. He says, will you worship the God of your fathers? Uh, these people had not always been a family captivated by the true God. He says, Abraham, your father, when he lived over here beyond the Euphrates, he was worshiping, or Abraham's father was worshiping false gods. He was, he was a servant, a slave to gods that was not the God of the Scripture. And until Yahweh, the God of the Scriptures, revealed himself, then he was worshiping idols and false gods beyond that. And he said, that's an option for you. That's an option for you. If you want to just kind of erase from your memory everything that I've done for you to bring you here to this point where you receive this promised land, it's, you can forget all that if you want to. And you can go back to the idolatry that your father was stuck in. That's option number one if you want to go that route. But you need to know that that's an option. Get on, sitting on the fence and saying, I'm just not going to choose, it's, it's, it's not an option because internally your heart's going to be drawn towards something and you can choose to go towards the idolatry of your fathers. So here's a question for you. And this is not in a negative Sense, but I think it's in a very practical sense. What was the God of your father? What dominated his imagination? What is the focus of his work to the point he has become a reflection of it? Right? So when I asked that, I said, what's the God of your father? Before you jump in and say, what's well, the God of the Bible? What is it that captured the imagination of your father's? What, what was the work of his hands a servant of to the point that his character became a reflection? Right? What's the God of our fathers? It's a deep question. But just practically speaking, what was his life a servant of? Maybe it was money, right? Dad chased, he was captivated. His mind and his heart was captivated by, by money, by profit. And he spent all waking hours thinking about how to, how to increase the profit so that we could increase the finances so that our, our family could have this or that could have that. Maybe it was finances. Maybe the God of our fathers was our family. We see that one a lot right now. That just my entire thought process revolves around the people that live underneath my roof. I don't go further beyond that. Right? So what is it? Or maybe you had like an actual dad was a Buddhist. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was, right? Maybe there's like a clarity in that. God of our fathers.
Or maybe you can honestly say, you know what, my father was so captivated by Jesus that I can see progress over his life that he began to reflect Jesus more and more to our family and to our neighbors and to our city. It was incredible to see my father's heart captivated by Christ so much that he became a reflection of Christ as we lived out our life together. else to add to the list? Generational worship doesn't always come from a holy book. Right? As fathers, as parents, we are discipling up people all around us. As we serve some idea or some concept, either it be God or money or something else, we are, as we live out our everyday life in worship and service towards this thing, then we're raising up people all around us to see what it would look like to worship that. Now, if we choose to worship Christ, we're illustrating that. Now, if we choose to worship something else, then we're training up our children to see what it looks like to worship something else, right? So generational worship sometimes comes from Scripture. Sometimes comes, some things are more caught than taught, as they say. Right? Um, I see that when, I'm, when I look at my boys and, and I watch Justice and Brant become obsessed with the things that they know I did. Right? It's them bucking bulls on the trampoline for hours on end. Right? Because they caught that from their father. They see pictures of me riding bulls, and now that becomes the object of their imagination, and it becomes the thing in which that captivates their hearts and their minds and their life. And because they saw dad do it, now they rush towards it and they get obsessed with it. It's the same reason that they, they found a drawing of mine from high school the other day. And Brant's like, I bet you can't draw this good anymore. Like, Thanks, son. Um, but... They're like, wow, Dad could draw. So you know what they've been doing ever since they found that drawing that I drew in high school? They have put that in their room and they have drawn that same picture over and over and over and over until they get as good as their dad. It's not going to happen. But that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to do. So worship is in generational circumstances doesn't always come from a holy book. It comes from observing what you're obsessed with, what you're pursuing, what you're serving. What is dad a servant of? And as I watch my dad become a servant of this or that, then he's training me too to become captivated by that and therefore give my life as a ransom for that thing too. Right? Yeah, it's good to teach your children how to work. Don't let your kids be lazy. But if dad is obsessed and captivated only at the pursuit of money and work, then we're, we're teaching them idolatry. And that's going to be passed down from generation to generation. Right? So you have the option to choose the God of your fathers. That's a legit option. But it's also very handy for us to know that receiving faith from our parents can be natural, as natural as it is for a deer to jump over a fence. 
in which he perished. Okay? So doing what's natural is not always beneficial. Just because it comes easy doesn't mean it's good. If you've ever seen deer jump over, it's like, wow, I wish I could jump like that. That's all good and well until he didn't make it. And I caught him bound up by his hind legs. That's where he perished. So just because it's natural to worship the God of your fathers doesn't mean it's beneficial. Number two, will you worship the God of the land? He said, you're going to go live in the land, you're going to build a house in the land, you're going to raise a family in the land, and you're going to be surrounded by all those people that end in ites. And they worship other gods than the God who has brought you salvation. And it's a really good option, or it's a really, uh, it's a real option for you to worship what everybody else around you worships. And actually that's going to be pretty contagious as you live among people that do not worship the same God of Israel. Um, So Joshua knew that if the nation of Israel did not lay down their loyalty before the Lord, before they went into that place, they would be swept up by the current of that city. If you don't choose before you go into the city, the current of the city is going to take you right along with it. And that's why Joshua said, choose today, before you go there, make that choice that you're going to serve the Lord if that's who you're going to serve. Or if you just want to be swept by by the current of the city, then just go, go right on in. But no, as a matter of fact, if you don't lay down your loyalty right now, get off the fence and go deep into this journey with the Lord, then most likely you're just going to go with the flow if you don't make an intentional choice. So who are the gods of our land? Who are the gods of the city? Right? You can answer this one without being as personal. So I know you'll be more discussional on this one. Right? So who are the gods of our land? What dominates the culture? What is the focus of our city's work? What has our character as a city become a reflection of? Right? What's the god of our city? I mean, it's funny. That, uh, yeah. And it's almost a necessary evil, but we sit in, and I tell this story all the time, that we sit in these downtown meetings, everybody's there to figure out how to make a profit, and we're there to figure out how to help. Right? It's like the meeting exists so that we can make downtown better, so that we can make it more profitable, which is not a bad thing. But... I think one reason that the church has so little influence in the city is because the city eats, sleeps, and breathes their local businesses trying to make them profitable. They wake up thinking about it. They go to sleep thinking about it. They spend their days dreaming about it. Because that's captivated the hearts and the imagination of our city. So unintentionally, money can become the god of the city. I don't think anybody sets out and says, I'm going to go worship money. But it's just, it's the current. It grabs you, it takes you with it. So what else? I think uh, it's like entertainment. We're going to, you know, consider okay. you know, the United States or whatever is our city. It's kind of frightening how much people know about 
actors and stuff. Like, think about how much they know every actor's name and stuff. Like, and it's like, that's so insignificant. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's like gods, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like pantheon. Yeah. So entertainment industry and that. But you can also go from the industry to pleasure, entertainment personally. So there's an industry to where we know everything about everybody who is like, doesn't even know your name. And they don't even care about your name, Derek. But then you're memorizing their birthday, their hobbies, every movie they've been in, every line they've ever spoken. And it's captivated your mind to where it's begin to influence your character. But then I, th- I think also the, the entertainment of me, the desire for pleasure, right? Which is just, and, and I think it's good to recognize that in and of itself, none of these things are evil. But when they capture your imagination and becomes the thing in which your life is a servant, a slave to, then it's become a God, which has become evil. When good things become gods, good things become bad things. I would say that, like, I don't know what they're serving, but what they're not serving is, you know, society as a whole seems like they're getting away from religion. Kind of just more of a, maybe like you say, players are just more about yourself, mm-hmm. whatever makes yourself happy. So. Well, this is something that we're seeing is spirituality mm-hmm. without definition. Right, and, and I think, number one, I don't blame anybody that's caught up in this because number two, sometimes the church hasn't done very well in our city. Like, when, I, when I'm talking to the missionary to Brazil, he is going to one of the most unreached populations of the world. He said, I can be in a city full of millions of people and I'm the only follower of Christ in that city. And he said, that's really hard to process when you're standing in that city. And then we're talking, it's like, okay, in our city, though, everybody has an experience with the church, and everybody's got a reason that they don't want to be a part of it. Right? It's not like, hey, Tony, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? I've never thought about that. Thanks for the invitation. I've just never thought about going to church. It's like, no, I've got a reason I don't want to go to church. I've got an experience. I've got something that happened. I've got a relative. I've got a friend. I've got, I have reasons that I don't want to be a part of it. And so therefore, we end up in the current of spirituality that doesn't have a definition. It's just vague. It's, it's, it's individual spirituality that I'm on my own journey. Because if I'm going to step out of the church, which is the pillar and foundation of truth as the Scripture describes the church. And when I've stepped out of... Remember we did that series on foundations. If you don't have any foundations and you're just on your own spiritual journey, then the current's going to sweep you up and you're going to get in some really weird places, which is what we see happening in our city. See that happening in our city. But I don't... I mean, I've had some pretty crappy encounters with the church too, so I don't blame anybody for it. We just have to be... a we have to make sure that as a church, we're a representation of Christ and not our traditions. And I think if we're a representation of Christ in the city, he will become attractive to the city again. Nobody in this town hates Jesus. Most people in the town hate the church. Right? 
unnecessary obstacles that allow people to get swept in the current of vague spirituality becomes our idol, our God. Um, So, as our imagination is captured by the gods of the land, we just jump back and forth over the fence according to how the culture shifts. We're tossed to and fro, as James says. So that's, that's the danger. If, if you don't lay down your loyalty before you live in a community and in a city, then what's going to happen as any of these, as the, as the market shifts, you shift. As the most popular spirituality in the land shifts, you shift, right? And there's no foundation. So as the current shifts, you shift. If you don't lay down your loyalty, you spend your entire life on the fence. You rise and fall with the economy. You rise and fall with your home, with your family. And there's no stability in your life. There's no foundation for which you can go deep into anything. If there's not a deep commitment to Christ to start with, all that follows will be better. Yep. And shallow. No foundation. Yep. James says that we have a God who is unchanging. He doesn't shift with the shadows. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if, if we have a God who's unchanging, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then we've got that foundation for which we don't have to shift with every shift of the current because we have laid down our loyalty and we're going deep in our experience in life. No matter how the current or the culture shifts, our God doesn't shift. And that doesn't... So, if God doesn't change, if He doesn't shift, He's the same yesterday and day and tomorrow, we don't have to stay close to any sort of fence. We can lay down a loyalty and go deep in life while everybody else just jumps back and forth according to the latest trend. So, last one he says is, will you worship the Lord? Will you worship the God of your fathers, the God of the land, He said, or you can worship the Lord. And it's interesting that Israel says, we want to worship the Lord. He's like, no, you can't. I'm like, well, that's one of the most just frustrating passages of all of Scripture. It's like, choose today who you're going to worship before you go home. We choose the Lord. No, it's too hard. And I'm like, why are you trying to encourage these people to lay their loyalty at the feet of Jesus? And then they're like, we lay it down. He's like, you're going to fail. It's too hard. He's jealous. Right? It's like, you can lay down your loyalty at the Lord's feet, but something's going to shift in our culture, and I bet you're going to shift with it. Right? It's just too hard. No, no, we're going to do it anyways. We're going to do it anyways. So we need to know that it's not always natural to worship the Lord. We have to choose to know Him, to follow Him, and to fight against the current. And that's what Joshua wanted them to know. You're going to have to like actually choose 
I have to choose Jesus because the current's going to push and I'm going to have to wrestle at certain times. Certain times it's going to be natural. Certain times it's going to be unnatural. Certain times it's going to be fun, easy. Sometimes it's going to be hard and difficult. And you're, you're going to have to stand beside your commitment because the current's going to shift back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And God doesn't, God doesn't look at you staying close to the fence and say that was a good choice. Yeah, you should stay safe. Stay close to that. It's not what he values. It's not what he values. He values people that choose him and go deep in their journey with him. He values those that abandon everything to follow him. So what's the value? What's the value? If you choose to worship the Lord, he says you'll never perish on the fence. You'll never perish. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will not perish. They will not be abandoned. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You're not going to get stuck alone. You're not going to die in the wilderness. Those who call upon the name of the Lord, they receive eternal life. Life abundant and life eternal. So number one, the value is if I get off the fence and I can have eternal life in the finished work of Jesus, it's given to me. But you don't receive eternal life on the fence. You receive eternal life by choosing the Lord. I choose you. I want you. I receive what you've done for me and I'm getting off the fence and I'm pursuing you intentionally. That's where that's found. Number two, he promises that he will never change. If you choose me, I'm not going to juke you. <laughs> right? I'm not going to shift when the culture shifts. I'm not going to fake you out. Whoa, playing hard to get. He just doesn't do that. He says, if, if you choose me, I promise that I'll never change. Laying down my loyalty for the unchanging one allows me to leave the fence and go deep in every area of life. Every area. So here, here's the thing. Choosing to get off the fence with the Lord, choosing to go deep with Jesus, now changes everything because it allows me to go deeper in my career. It allows me to go deeper in my social relationships. It allows me to go deeper in my ministry. It allows me to go deeper with my family Deeper wherever he calls me, because even though my address may change, my God does not change, and it allows me to go deeper in my faith. So the problem is, a lot of times we want to say, I want to go deeper in my career. Lay down your loyalty for the Lord. And your, your experience in your career becomes deeper immediately as it takes on an eternal context. I want to go deeper. I want to have a better marriage. I want to have a more significant family. But yeah. Lay down your loyalty for the Lord, and as you go deeper with Him, every encounter with your family takes on deeper significance. Right? If we want to choose to go deeper in any one of these without going deeper with Him, this is very likely becoming our God. It's the thing that captivates our imagination we become a slave to. We become a slave to. 
And the experience that you long for in any one of these is, is found by going deeper in your experience with the Lord. So you desire a deeper marriage, choose to serve the Lord. A deeper experience in your career, choose to serve the Lord. That's where that's found. Um, so Joshua says, I don't know who you're going to choose to worship. Worship is natural, not optional. So I know everyone in this room is going to choose to worship someone or something. Who it is is yet to be decided. And if you say, well, I'm not going to choose, then that's a choice in itself. Right? It's like, well, I'm just going to push that away, and I'm just not going to choose, like, anything in this moment or in this season. Well, actually, not choosing is choosing. Your loyalty is going to fall somewhere. It's going to fall somewhere. As for me and my house... We choose a deeper journey. We choose to worship the Lord. And we invite all of you to go with us. Right? We're inviting all of you to go with us. I like how Derek said it before. He's like, if we want to have influence in our city, Jesus gives us the illustration of a vine. If you want to bear fruit, then you... You have to stay attached to the vine. And this is why God brings together people to accomplish a purpose. Because Derek's like, just stay attached to the vine. Stay attached to the vine. Be rooted in Jesus. Receive nourishment from Jesus. And then I'm like, go in the city. Be a part of the city. And Derek's like, we've got to stay attached to the vine. I'm like, I'm not disagreeing, but we still got to go. And we've got both and. If we're going to bear fruit, then we can't bear fruit in the city without staying Attached with our loyalty to Jesus. But I've seen too many times people become so, they think they're loyal to Jesus, but it ends up being a huddle that has no influence in the city. And Jesus is out among the people. You want a deeper experience of your city? Attach yourself to Jesus. Go deep with Him, and you'll go deep into the city. You want your family experience to be greater, more meaningful? Attach yourself to the vine. Go deeper with Him, and your family will go deeper together. So I love the different perspectives, and we push against each other, and we're encouraging each other to do the other thing. But it's like the fullness of what He's called us to. The fullness of what He's called us to. So choose today who you're going to serve. Anybody got any comments? Any, any reflections? Like, man... Maybe you're looking at that and you realize you've been wrapped up. I think the most difficult part when you go off to pursue something else, so many people make Christ on the fence. We have to take him with us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, we're not careful we won't do that. Yeah. That's very dangerous. Yeah. Yep. Anything else? Anything revealed to you that you're like, huh?
didn't realize that's where I was going or Anybody been staying too close to the fence? I even, so, recognize that Derek has grown tremendously over the last year, give or take. But here's, I want to point out something else. As I kind of brought up Wednesday night in our DNA group, and I'm like, okay, I'm inviting you in another way to get away from the fence. And you, even though, I'm using you as an example, even though you recognize what God has done in your life and you've gone deeper in pursuing Him and traveling with Him. Here's what happens. Even though you find yourself deeper out here, there becomes a new opportunity in the Lord. And, and your response in the moment was like, kind of makes me nervous. And our response, even though it's like, wow, I've gone so deep with Christ over the last 12 months, it's like, okay, now that I've done that, I'm giving you a new opportunity here. And the tension within you says, let me just go back over here. Let me just get a little closer to the figure because I didn't know you were going to open up that kind of opportunity. I don't want to go that deep. I don't want to get that far away from my comfort zone. And, and, and what's going to happen is he gives you an opportunity and you've got, you got to choose again. Choose today whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the Lord? Or are you going to go back and choose something else again? Because those are opportunities we're going to be asked over and over and over and over to lay down our loyalty for the Lord. Over and over and over and over and over. And no matter how deep we went last year, if we don't want to return to shallow water, we're going to have to lay it down again. We're going to have to lay it down again. I feel like that's like what I was sharing when they asked me to tell our story back with the ladies that came in Chicago last weekend. It was just like, they go back to that cliff jumping thing. I feel like in your walk with Christ... God constant, not one second, but there's always another cliff. God says, you're going to jump off. I know it's scary, but I'm calling you to jump. And it's then that God is glorified. It's His power is shown in that. But you still have to take that little step of faith and jump off the cliff. Again. And I feel like God, and it's like even, you know, all throughout our, our marriage and, and life, just I always feel like He just throws these cliffs in front of you and He's like, all right, choose. Are you going to do it? And this is what I call and it's such a wrestle, and it's such, but then it's like we choose, and we see God's power. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, we don't have to do another one. And then it's like, ah, oh, there's another place. There's another one. Really, God? There's but another it's one. so good. I mean, it's that's the adventure of living for Christ, but mm-hmm. then it's, <laughs> there's that, like you said, there's that wrestle that he puts in front of you, and mm-hmm. I'm calling you to something even deeper. It's a little bit higher now. And you, and the, and the, you have to choose if you're going to jump or not. In the moment we stop choosing the Lord, in those moments we're we're putting ourselves back in shallow water. We're going back to the fence. Mm-hmm. I've never regretted jumping, but there's just that initial fear that you, yeah. you have to wrestle with when He puts it in front of you, and you, and you yeah. just you naturally feel it and have to battle it out. So that's encouragement to any and all of us that may be wrestling, even in this moment, with something that's laid in front of us that God's given us a choice. 
He said, are you going to follow me deeper or are you going to stop here and go home? You know, that, 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 that choosing to give him your loyalty over and over and over and over just gets better and better and better. But sometimes it gets weightier and weightier because the deeper you go, the bigger the opportunities. And, and you're going to have to choose to continue laying that down. Because he's going to take you deeper, and then you're going to come across an opportunity for your money. All right, I stopped worshiping money, and I gave him my loyalty. Man, I've been doing some good Bible study. I've been growing. I've been learning. I've been doing this. And all of a sudden, that money thing came back up. He said, I want you to lay it down for me. I'm going to bring up the gods of yesterday, and we're going to ask you to sacrifice them tomorrow. It's like, I got an opportunity for that money that you worked so hard for. I'm going to use it for the kingdom. Choose today whom you're going to serve. Or, hey, I got an opportunity for you, but you know what? Where'd it go? It's somewhere else. Oh, man, I chose to work. And that's why Joshua was like, You can't worship the Lord, it's too hard. Because the more you go deeper with him, the more he brings these things back up and he wants to claim them as his own. And he's going to ask you to lay them down. But he's also going to manifest his power in your life as you sacrifice everything for his name. Everything. You're not going to go deeper with Jesus and then stop when it comes to financial issues. Lord, your God's a jealous God. Not like your ex-girlfriend jealous, but like he owns you and everything else and he has a rightful ownership of it. And if you want to steal from him your life or his resources, it's not going to go well because he's the rightful owner. So we're going to pray. Shelly's going to find something edible for us. And then we're going to give you our plan for next Saturday. Coming into our plan for next Saturday, I'm going to ask you to be open-minded. Because I'll be honest, as I was scripting it out, it kind of freaked me out too. So let's pray, and then we'll redirect our energy towards Spook City. Father, we thank you for...